You're listening to Movers and Shakers, a podcast about living with Parkinson's. The show is sponsored by the Judges Old Chambers and the generous contributions of private donors. Hello and welcome to Movers and Shakers. I'm Rory Kathleen-Jones and yes, we're back in the pub for a third series. How is that possible? First of all, who's here? Paul Mayhew Archer. Nicholas Mostyn. Jeremy Patsman. Mark Mardell. Jillian Lacey-Solomon. And before we get down to business, which is going to be all about something called a charter, let's just check on what we've been up to. Anything happened since uh, we last met our fabulous audience out there? Paul, something happened to you, didn't it? Well, I had a DBS operation, deep brain stimulation, and I am stimulated and ready, raring to go. But I don't want to talk about that because I've talked about it endlessly elsewhere. Yes, we've heard quite enough about yes. how, to be fair, you appear to be a foot taller you're very spiky. Even very more spiky. beautiful. And he's yeah. looking like Bill Clinton. <laughs> he is looking like Bill Clinton. Silver Fox. <laughs> the Silver Fox. The Silver Fox. Jeremy, you're looking like Jeremy Paxman. What's, no, what's no, it's all gone wrong. It's all, <laughs> something terrible has happened. How, how have you been? What have you been up to? Well, I made the mistake of going on a cruise. Oh, you don't strike me as a cruise sort of person. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Were you not sat at the captain's table? I never saw the saw hide nor hair of the captain. Right, he was probably running and hiding from you, I'd have thought. What about you, Mark? Have you been anywhere? I haven't been anywhere at all, and I'm a bit fed up with it. I want to go abroad as soon as possible, but I've been working on our new website, which should be launched dun, as you dun, hear dun, this. Dun, dun. Uh, brilliant. That's exciting. So that's, yes. Moversandshakerspodcast.com, as far as I remember. I think that's right. Yeah. And the idea is that it's easier to negotiate than our Facebook page and should have lots of information when people hear the podcast and think, oh, we should have taken a note of that. They needn't. They can go straight to the website. Judge, you've been sat quietly at home for the last... Uh, no, I, I've travelled to, <laughs> travel to Canada to go on a, a last hurrah heli-skiing, but unfortunately global warming conspired against me and the helicopter did not fly and we spent three days in a hotel in Canada playing ping-pong and then returned. Now, I didn't hear anybody laugh around the table at that. <laughs> you spent a Poor week heli-skiing without ever taking off in a helicopter. No, never took off because it was uh, 20 degrees, raining solidly... And it was, skiing was impossible. Well, I have to say, I, like Mark, didn't have a single day away, but I was, I was trapped at home with a, a needy, nervous dog ministering to it, so that was fine. Honestly. And Gillian's been the one who's really been making us desperately jealous on, on Christmas Day. Yes, I'm afraid I went to the sunshine, which was rather lovely, both for the Parkinson's and very good for the musical as well, because every time the sun came out, the inspiration popped out as well. Ah. Anyway, let's get down to the business, because... Today's episode is all about something that Gillian has pioneered. Yeah, I and mean, this is unusual because it's the second time that we're looking at a subject, and the subject is the Charter for Parkinson's. So far, we've only dealt one episode, one topic, but the reason we're returning to the topic, well, there's several reasons, really. One is, I think we all think it's incredibly important. And secondly, fairly conspicuously, we didn't actually reach agreement last time. There was a bit of a row, wasn't there? So then the next question is why we're doing it. And there are a couple of reasons for that too. First reason is that, well, it's really to do with our listeners, to you. It's down to you that we're hearing from you. You're not happy with the standard of care for Parkinson's and that something really needs to be done. So that's the overall reason. And then the second, more immediate reason is that when we were at the Parkinson's UK AGM, the charity's boss, Caroline Russell, issued us with quite a hefty challenge. And we've got Caroline back now rather than a clip of Caroline, the real Caroline. 
and she's going to remind us of how scary that challenge was. Well, I think I gave you two challenges, Gillian. The first was to recognise the sense of importance that you all have. You all have agency, and as a result of that, you're in a great place if we want to make a case around better care for people with Parkinson's. You have a real opportunity to get your voice heard. The second challenge that I gave you, which I am quite excited to hear what you're going to do about it, was the 11th of April is World Parkinson's Day. And I think I did give a vague challenge around chaining yourself to the railings at 10 Downing It's going to be chains. Chains? Chains? I'm up for that, okay. Well, I knew Paul would be up for that. What what do we need to wear for this particular event? Nothing. (laughs) Uh, Only chains. Nothing at all. Just chains to the railings. Just your presence outside number 10, people would be talking about it. And at the end of the day, that actually opens a discussion. And I think that's what's really important. Gillian, we are going to come up with a charter. Remind remind us what happened last time when it all went a bit wrong. (laughs) I'm not sure I want to linger on that too much, but I came up with this uh, phrase in Latin, carpe diem, yes, seize the day. Which My was, word was rubbish, I And your word was rubbish, <laughs> that's right. In good old English, Anglo-Saxon. Then the conversation got round to the point of it shouldn't be Latin and the whole thing should be easier. And Rory came up with how it could be easier, didn't you? Yeah, I thought we ought to have five main priorities. I thought that was enough. Uh, I think I managed to convince everyone else just about that this was a good idea. So in the last few weeks, we've actually all come up with our five choices for the Charter. You'll hear later, hopefully, how we've amazingly actually agreed on a final five, fingers crossed. But we've also had lots of messages from you, the audience, about what you thought should be in a Charter. Uh, One was from a Parkinson's group in Goole on Humberside, and I asked its chair, Alexandra Finder, to take us through it. Number one, information. Yes, so information, this is by far the most important point for our group. At the point of diagnosis, people should be given information about the various therapies they'll benefit from. The importance of exercise and diet, for example. The importance of taking their medication on time, on an empty stomach and avoiding certain foods. Okay, number two, access to consultant and Parkinson's nurse. So this should ideally be every three months alternately. This should be the gold standard. And so many of our group had not been seen by either for such a long time until they started coming to the group and we had a visit from one of the Parkinson's nurses. Many were under-medicated due to long periods without review. And now that they've had their medications tweaked, are much improved. So it shows how important those regular reviews are. Number three, support groups. There needs to be a support group in all areas and this information needs to be shared at first diagnosis. Number four, specialist MDT. What's an MDT? A multidisciplinary team. Each NHS trust should have therapists who specialise in Parkinson's. This would include um, speech therapists, physios, occupational therapists and dietitians. And last but not least, number five, and this is a big one, cure. It is very important, but we feel that people currently living with Parkinson's need to live well and need to have basically the above four points that we've talked about first and foremost. But cure absolutely is very important. Uh, well, that's it, isn't it? They've, they've sorted us out. Well, no, I, I think some of them were good. I but... agree with almost all of that, except I think the, the, the point of this is to put pressure on politicians and organisations like the NHS. So I think local groups, while being a very good idea, shouldn't be in there. because It's not, it's not the it's government's not, it's not the government job to, to tell to us that, to join no. a group. No. 
What's Interestingly, the... a lot of the other charities have been looking at this. I mean, I was talking to pancreatic cancer a lot, who obviously it's a very different sort of an illness because if you're diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, you don't live very long, unfortunately, whereas Parkinson's is exactly the opposite. You do live an awfully long time. But they have put a charter in place, which they found very helpful, actually. And I asked one of the authors what sort of advice she would have for us. I think it could make a big difference in making sure that, you know, you feel you are knowledgeable and know what care you should be able to get, what you should be able to ask for. I think that's really important, particularly when you're first diagnosed and you might be struggling to know what you should be doing, what care and treatment you should expect to receive, what you're entitled to. I think that can really help people. And also to give you that little bit of extra empowerment or authority to say, actually, an organisation like Parkinson's UK or, you know, perhaps working with the health professionals community as well, which is what we did, worked alongside people, has said and recommended that I should have this. And that, I guess, helps you feel that you can question the care and treatment you're getting with a bit more authority, that it can only work as well if an organisation's, you know, if charities, if government, if health services are also trying to put in place provisions to meet those needs. Because I guess actually if there are long delays, you know, you can say, I, I know I should have the right to see someone, but actually if there are long delays in the system and your neurologist or your health service is overloaded, you, you're not necessarily going to be able to actually get to see that person that you want to see. I mean, pancreatic cancer is very different from Parkinson's, isn't it? I mean, it's something very acute and short term, sadly. Yes, which is why they felt even more need for something like a charter. But there are parallels there in that people are very shocked at the beginning. And so they need particular care at the very beginning. I think we're coming down to that as well in terms of diagnosis being a particularly important point. Caroline, you've got some thoughts. I, I think you're all terribly polite. So, uh, I mean, there is a, a basic NHS pledge to everyone, which is that you should see from referral from your GP, you should get your definitive diagnosis within 18 weeks. So anyone from referral to treatment is 18 weeks. Now, most people who I've come in contact with, when they tell me their experience of their first diagnosis, no way was it within 18 weeks. So I think fundamental to your charter needs to be replaying to the NHS, back to them, what they have said to the public are the standards that they're working to. I have to say, we, we've received letters, lots of emails, about people who've had to wait more than a year. And mm. there's, there's a hidden privatisation going on here. Quite a lot of our correspondents say they gave up and went private. That's outrageous. I mean, it's probably the most important thing here, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. And in a way, you almost need, I'm not seriously saying 0.6, but 0.6 saying just do what you bloody well yes. promised to. Yeah. Mm. Jeremy, what do you think? I think you're all barking up the wrong tree. I think you're all whistling in the wind. I can't see what the point of this is. The only authority we have is the authority to speak on behalf of people who have Parkinson's. That's the only authority we have, and it's the only authority that the charities have. And I can't see that, given it's supposed to be happening already... You, you don't know, think it's worth think... making a noise? No! You should, we, should just, should we, we should just be quiet and, and get on with it. Yeah, just shut up and put up, put up with it. I think you're in a minority, but... I um, think we'll I was see. completely convinced by... I think we're going to look at this next, but another example you looked at, Rory. Which the idea is not whether point A or point B is in there, but just making a stink, poking the politicians, saying, what are you doing for Parkinson's? We're here, we matter. I mean, this is something they're stressing in the States a lot, where they're thinking about this at the moment. 
And the reason is that you can do it with, at zero cost, at least in the States they can. I'm pretty sure we could too. So my challenge back to Caroline is let's do a financial analysis yeah. and check that that's true in this country. But because Parkinson's is the very opposite of cancer, in cancer either you die, in which case you're no longer a burden on the state, or you get better, in which case you're no longer a burden on the state. But with Parkinson's, not only do you take yourself out of the workplace if you're young enough, but you take your carer bit by bit out of the workplace as well. Mm. Also, and so if you look at the future, you know, we are going to become, I'm afraid, more and more of a burden to people and to society. And that's going to cost society a hell of a lot. Also, we need care because if we don't have that care, we're more likely to fall over. We're more likely to have accidents and then cost the NHS exactly. more. Yeah. Falling, falling over is the most expensive thing. Yeah. Let's move to this idea from the United States, which we've got an interview about. There, they've got not a charter, but a law, a plan to end Parkinson's making its way through Congress. And Gillian and I have been talking to one of those behind the plan, uh, Ted Thompson from the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Ted. First of all, what is a U.S. plan to end Parkinson's? It's a, an effort to unify federal and non-federal entities around putting an actual plan together that would result ultimately in, in better treatments, better support, and uh, hopefully one day a cure for Parkinson's. And so we've modeled it after a national, national Alzheimer's plan, which has really done uh, a remarkable job at, at change of the paradigm in the Alzheimer's community. So... This national plan creates an advisory council appointed by the Secretary of Health and Human Services, again, federal and non-federal appointees, including people with Parkinson's, young onset Parkinson's, caregivers, researchers, clinicians, etc. And the charge is for them to come up with a plan and submit it to Congress on what steps the federal government and non-federal should be taking to move the needle for Parkinson's. Notably, one provision that's in the, the House of Representatives bill specifically calls on this advisory committee to provide an estimate of what they believe the federal research dollar investment should be into Parkinson's. I noticed that you talk about a zero cost investment here. Have you done the numbers there in the long term and it really comes out as zero cost? That would be impressive. You know, we're not talking about uh, creating a new program or creating additional spending. We're talking about pulling together basically a committee of experts under the auspices of the Secretary of Health and Human Services. And, you know, he can utilize existing budget for that. You say that there's a hundred times as much spent on caring for people as research that goes into it. Are you talking about that being shifted towards research? Well, it's it's just really highlighting a, a glaring and obvious deficiency within the federal government. You know, to spend roughly twenty six billion dollars through the Medicare program, and this is in excess of what the normal spend is for somebody on Medicare. You have managed to get this message out to a lot of politicians, haven't you? Has, has that been an important part of the process? Advocates, people from the Parkinson's community, actually making this a political issue. Absolutely. I cannot overstate how important that is enough. Um, a lot of people think that things just happen in government and, you know, we don't have any say, don't have any control. You know, we're not a corporation with a big checkbook and stuff like that. You know, and that's where the patient community, you know, we have to make up for those components by activating the advocates. Now, you've got through the House of Representatives, but it's still not there. Is it? It's got to get through the Senate and time is running out. 
Yes, that is true. And that is why we are working full time to figure out multiple strategies uh, in, in the Senate. Typical fashion is to get it through the committee, get it on the floor, have a vote on the individual bill. But oftentimes legislation like, like this that is widely sponsored, very bipartisan, non-controversial, oftentimes it can get attached to another bill that is going to be passed. So uh, we're looking at multiple different avenues to get it done. So that's Ted Thompson from uh, Michael J. Fox. Um, I can see you, Jeremy, not looking convinced. No, I'm not. I, I thought the only thing that came out of it was that we're going to have another committee. Well, he wants another committee. Well, they're actually going to have something with power because it's it's actually passed through Congress. It's got the seal of Congress behind it. And a similar thing for Alzheimer's has massively boosted the amount of money spent on researching a cure for Alzheimer's. So, Over 10 times they get now to what they got beforehand. Can I ask Caroline, what's the evidence you've got from your charity that other charities who've got plans or things like that, charters, do they have any impact? Well, there's certainly a, a momentum. I mean, we've talked about Alzheimer's and there is a, a momentum in terms of what can be achieved and it's raised the profile what I would say, and I think it is really, really important, goes back to demanding what you're entitled to. So, for instance, if you look at all the cancer charities, everybody knows that there are clear standards for cancer treatment, how quickly you're diagnosed, what pathway you're put on and what support that you get. We haven't vocalised enough what is your entitlement that is there at the moment that is not being delivered within the NHS. And I think that's really important that the voice around the quick diagnosis, the referral to a Parkinson's specialist nurse, making sure that the nurse has access to all of the types of professionals that can help empower people to live their best life, whether that is speech and language, occupational therapy, physiotherapy, nutritionists, pharmacists, all of those professionals can help in the care of people with Parkinson's, but actually speed is really important and frequent access. So one of the things I'm surprised you all haven't been speaking about as well is the fact that there isn't anything that allows you to have, if you like, a pass, a Parkinson's pass that will allow you to access care quickly, but also benefits. Oh, we'll come on to that. How demoralising is it for people with Parkinson's to have to sit in front of a panel year in, year out, if they're yeah. after PIP payments, to explain about their condition? Actually, if there was a, a Parkinson's pass that basically said, once you're in the system, your condition is not going to improve, therefore you're taken out of all the assessments and you're passported through to continually getting yes, what you well, deserve. Yes, I, mean, I was going to mention that. We'll, we'll come to that in, in a moment. In, the, in, the, in a piece from Parkinson's UK that was addressed to an all-party committee in Parliament 10 years ago, one of the things that constantly they were having to complain about, the charity quite rightly complaining about, was that experts would say, ah, oh, yes, well, he's better this year, or she's better this year. And, of course, you don't get better with Parkinson's. That's the whole point. That's why I put training as one of mine, just general training, whether it's people assessing benefits or doctors, nurses. But, but I think one of the problems with that, Mark, is that there's a continual flow-through of different people who will be doing the assessment, so to try and train people is quite difficult. Actually, mm. if you're given, in effect, 
a passport. You don't have to do the training. Mm. Actually, anybody who comes in contact with the benefit system will actually be passported through. And that helps with people's mental health and well-being, which goes back to also then potentially reduces some of the pressures on the NHS. The initial assessment, which would give you this yeah. passport, has to be undertaken by somebody who has had some training in Parkinson's. Because you know and I know, yeah. I know from hearing cases about people who have challenged welfare decisions on appeal and uh, they made their way up through the legal system and eventually ended up in front of the High Court, is that we know that the assessment process is absolutely penal. I mean, it, it could not be more rigorous. And unfortunately, many Parkinson's people will present as perfectly all right because the thing about Parkinson's, you're either on or off, aren't you? And they fail the assessment. So I feel very strongly that when it comes to benefits, and these are people who are living in near poverty, and Mark will be presenting an episode about this, is that it's very, very important that the assessment is done by somebody who has been trained in the features of Parkinson's. But if you have this Parkinson's pass, you don't have to have... Yeah, the, you're not reassessed every year. Yes. That saves an enormous yeah. amount of money. Yeah. And, and it goes blue back... Badge that's right. Yeah. You could add on to anything. Blue badges, free prescriptions, Caroline, anything could be linked... So that yeah. actually you suddenly, you reduce the burden on society, you reduce the burden of pressure on the individual and actually that helps them with their health and well-being. And that to me is, it might not be a particularly linked to a health charter, but actually you mm. could trace it back. I do think there's a, an opportunity to kind of lead the way in terms of saying this is what these types of conditions and as we start to learn more about other conditions, there will be more that follow. And so it's possibly a kind of a another thing that you could chain Rory, yourself to the railings about. You're gnashing your yeah. teeth. Yeah. No, no. Oh, I'm liking what Caroline's saying, I must say. Point. You can. We're, we're about to come to the results of the vote. <laughs> okay. So do you want to hear them? Well, no, because I, I hear the results of the vote because I think Jeremy's vote will be included in the in the account, won't it? None of no, the above. No, he gave one. Jeremy sent one. He sent us an email, which I agree with. He said, I, I think we should recall who we speak for. All citizens should have the right of access to a specialist neurologist. Yes. That, 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 is, that is number one. That is number one. Yeah, That's your list. number one. As I said at the beginning, we all came up with our five choices for the Charter. Uh, <laughs> and fortunately, there was a great deal of overlap, which I suppose isn't surprising. Uh, Gillian and I are going to now read the chart. So the Charter's chart is as follows. Number one. Seeing a specialist for diagnosis and thereafter in a timely fashion. Number two is information or a leaflet to be given at diagnosis. Number three was government funding for research into a cure. Number four is access to a Parkinson's nurse. And then number five was somewhat we've got controversial. Two at, we've got two at equal at number five. We have better training of everyone from GPs to PIP assessors. And the second one is make holistic care or this multidisciplinary team available to everyone. So everyone gets access to a nutritionist, a exercise and so on. So we've, the first four we seem set on, seeing a specialist for diagnosis, getting proper information and diagnosis, more government funding, access to a Parkinson's nurse, then a tie for fifth choice between better training for all and multidisciplinary teams of nutritionists and so on. So which one wins? Can I change my vote? Yeah, go on. I find Caroline's point rather appealing. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm I, I, jump well, with you, actually. I, well that, that, that's really interesting because I, I haven't read numbers seven, eight and nine, which number seven, medication on time in hospital. Number eight, Parkinson's ID card. And number nine, free medication for all. So, so actually, if we had the Parkinson's ID card became a Parkinson's passport, which is much the same, 
and it was based on your idea, Caroline. And the people who fed into that were better trained if they needed to be, but they wouldn't all have to be. That's what we've said. That, that might be that the number might be five. number five. And yeah. then, by a sneaky sleight of hand, I wonder whether we could have the other one about um, the multidisciplinary team. We were talking about a Parkinson's nurse. If the Parkinson's nurse were to be part of a multidisciplinary team, that's brilliant. Then yes. we've got them all. Well, Jeremy, what do you think yeah. about that idea? I don't have a problem with it. Have as many cards as you like. <laughs> but I mean, you know, so that if people need benefits or need free medicines or whatever, they go straight through if they've got Parkinson's. Yeah, sure. But Jeremy, you'll remember, I think it was number two, was the leaflet, wasn't it? Information. And that that came from you. In an earlier episode, you said that there's one thing that needs to be done, there needs to be a simple leaflet, which sets out... There does need to be a simple leaflet. Gradually, we're winning Jeremy yep. round here. Bit, yeah. bit by bit. We've no, got... Not. You've backed at least three of the ideas in the Charter so far, so... Uh, I don't have a problem with the Charter. I right. just wonder why you're special. <laughs> well, there is a fair point to be made about exceptionalism, which is that there are myriad diseases. I mean, I was thinking of reflecting on my mother, who had emphysema. There's no charter for people with emphysema. It killed her in the end. But I suppose every condition has its advocates. Every condition has its campaigners. And, and listen, so, one symptom yeah. of yeah. Pat Parkinson's is apathy. So uh, yeah, exactly. let's, 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 let's reject apathy and, and, and go for it. But I mean, uh, we should look at the ones who have been very good at getting attention. Motor neurone disease has been amazing at it. I mean, I was looking at it, and they got the government to give them fifty million for targeted research. Can I give you the figure of yeah. how much? Because I, I researched this beforehand. How much money the government puts into research into Parkinson's each year? It is six point seven million pounds, which is. I mean, that's uh, that, that's yeah. less than Parkinson's UK puts in, which yeah. is, and all of ours is fundraised. Yeah. So that's a, a shocking yeah. figure, which is the one of the reasons the why you do need to spend more on space research than yeah. it does. Yeah, a hundred <laughs> times more on space research. Hundred times on more space research. Yeah. But we have had someone with Parkinson's go into space. Oh, okay. yeah. So you know, <laughs> that's good. At least we've made value I'm of that. I, I think we, we're beginning to wrap up here because what, what we've just got to finally end up doing. We'll, we'll, we'll tidy this all up, and the judge will probably draft it, and there'll be lots of arguments. But we will. We have got our five. No Latin subjects. No Latin. Uh, our five no. themes. Res ipsiloquitur. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> and, and we will we will publish that on our fabulous new website as soon as we got it. But just finally, what happens next? What do we do with it? According to Car Caroline, we we nail ourselves to well, Downing Street. We wave it. it around. And we we go Downing to Street. lots of uh, zebra crossings and we start to cross them and then we get a freezing attack <laughs> and we completely snarl up London because nobody can move. You can, you can whistle as much as you like. You don't think we're going to have any influence? I mean, Caroline is very flattering, thinks that we would, we would have some heft. And yeah, well, I think why haven't they had any? Why haven't you had any bloody results? Because we haven't got people like, like you, you standing up and making the noise that we need to make. We're very oh, we're polite. We go through all of the You're right too channels. Polite. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. exactly. You need people who are Aggie. So get Aggie, Jeremy. Get Aggie. Get Aggie. What Gillian pointed out about M and D, the turning point for that was Rob Burrows yes. and Kevin. 
and actually there are two people who are in the public eye who are really brave, one of them with MND and the other one, uh, you know, a friend and a supporter who decided to kind of really turn the volume up on what the condition was and the lack of funding. And that is where you have agency. We can give you all the facts, all the figures, we can support, we can help you write the chart and make sure you've got the right tone. I'm sure you'll be brilliant at that. We can put you in front of the all-party parliamentary group for Parkinson's. So we can open those doors for you. But actually, you can get really angry and you can make points that it is very difficult for an organisations to make collectively, but the individual agency that you have in the collective is huge. Nobody gets more angry than Jeremy. So no, Jeremy, exactly. if you're with us, we're much stronger. Well, I'd be with you, of course. We'll be back next week with an episode on the more embarrassing aspects of Parkinson's, led by Paul and perhaps featuring only Paul. <laughs> <laughs> You have been listening to Movers and Shakers, a podcast about living with Parkinson's. The show is sponsored by the Judges Old Chambers and the generous contribution of private donors. The show is produced by Nick Hilton for Poddo. Our theme music is by Alex Stobbs and cover artwork by Till Lukat. Thanks again to Boardwave for their support. Please subscribe to get new episodes straight into your podcast app and do rate and review if you've enjoyed the show. We're also on Twitter at Movers and Six. That's Movers and the number six. So please share the show there and email any thoughts or questions to feedback at moversandshakerspodcast.com. See you next week. <laughs>